This is Jones Financial Talk with Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. Nick provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Jones Financial Talk with your host, Nick Jones. Well, hello and welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. This is Nick Jones from Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Listeners, if you'd like more information about what you hear on our show today, please give us a call at 541-773-9567, or you can always visit us online at jonesfinancialtalk.com. And while on the website, please click on the radio page. You can check out all of our past shows there and even subscribe to our great program on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, listeners, throughout my career, I've had clients call me or come into the office seeking advice because a loved one has asked them to be the executor of their estate. And while they're usually more than willing to take on that task, they also want some insight into some of the crucial do's and don'ts when you become an executor. And so I thought for part of the show today, we can examine some of the things that you should know if you expect to become an executor in the future. And then another topic that kind of ties in with that is long-term care insurance. And so I thought we'd discuss that uh, with our great co-host, Mr. Tony Shore, uh, today as well. And for our listeners out there, it is Tony Shore's birthday today. (laughs) And uh, I just want to say happy birthday, my friend. Hey, kids, you know what time it is? It's birthday time. It's your birthday. (laughs) Okay, no, we're not going to play that song. (laughs) Nick's eyes get wide like, oh, my goodness, what's he playing on the... (laughs) What's he playing on the show? Uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for that. It is my birthday today, and we're recording a show. I love it. Uh, it's a highlight because it's a special day because it's my birthday, and I get to do a radio show with you, Nick, my favorite person. So That's awesome. You're, yeah, you are it is welcome. awesome. You are welcome, my friend. Thank you. Yes, and uh, I've had a great week, and this is going to be a great show. How about you, though? You've been busy. Uh, when I first talked to you today, it sounds like you've been swamped. Yeah, during uh, you know the, the middle of tax season here, things get very, very busy for us, obviously, sure. thinking and talking with our clients about how we can help them prepare for those. So it's, uh, it's great, though. Uh, things are going really well for us. Yeah. Well, and I, I like where your head's at for the show. I think you've got a great topic. I think a lot of people out there, uh, they probably expect to maybe become the executor of an estate at some point, uh, a family member. And well, most of us uh, certainly want to take that job, uh, you know, uh, seriously, and we want to do it uh, for people we care about. It's fair to say, I think it can be a little intimidating. So I'm excited to hear some of the tips you're going to have for us on this today. Yeah, it definitely can be intimidating, Tony. And that's why I thought we'd talk about some of the key points. Um, You know, and the first thing I'd say is let's just start by defining some of the responsibilities that come, uh, you know, with serving as as an executor for an estate. And so 
as uh, an executor, your most likely starting point or is going to be to locate some critical documents like the will or the trust. Okay. And mm-hmm. um, you may have to ask several family members and look in multiple places to find all the necessary documents um, if people aren't organized. And so, <clears throat> you know, we've talked about this on previous shows, but we actually offer a complimentary service called the Generational Vault, which is essentially a, a secure online safe deposit box. And if the person that you're serving as an executor has something like the generational vault, then tracking down those documents is going to be very, very simple and fast. And so you should you should definitely think about that and, and help them before um, you become the executor if things are not in order. Right. And right. Um, the other thing that I would note is that typically, you know, the executor of an American estate must be an American citizen. Okay, that's a key point. Um, sure. Though <clears throat> uh, non-citizens may be able to work with a U.S. citizen as a co-executor. Okay, and and then next, depending on the estate size and complexity, you should also plan uh, the process taking six months to up to a year. And um, you won't have to work on it every day on a daily basis, but it just takes time to work through all the complexities of. Um, settling somebody's estate. And and finally, in some cases, executors may be paid for their work, um, though you should be aware that if you receive compensation for this work, it is considered earned income for tax purposes. Earned income. Okay. So you got to watch out for that. And you've mentioned the generational vault on previous shows as, uh, and as somebody who's seen it in action, I have to say that's a great tool uh, for this, for estate planning and for people to really get their documents in order and make it easier on your executors. Um, I mean, you can have all or most of your financial and insurance documents in one secure online safe deposit box that's accessible 24-7, and uh, it is secure, and you can uh, leave that uh, password with somebody you know and trust. And uh, I think that's very helpful. You can't beat that in this situation, can you? Right. And you actually can give access, you know, to your executor um, uh, ahead of time. Right. So they know where that's everything good. is and organized. And so yep. it's, a, it's a great option. And, um, you know, the, one of the main things that a lot of people come in and we talk about and, and, and they're trying to figure out before they become the executor is um, they're going to need to be prepared to, to settle some conflicts as the executor, right? I mean, oh, yeah. uh, a love, unfortunately, uh, a loved one's death is a deeply emotional event for family. And when you combine those emotions with the potential for hurt feelings, when, for instance, the will is read, well, you better be on your toes because hurt feelings can really emerge if a family member doesn't believe that the finances were divided fairly, right? And, and if an estate also has a significant amount of other things like art or collectibles, you know, family members are likely to want um, those specific items. And so you're going to need to do your best to keep track of everything and make sure that um, that exactly how the will is written and what is supposed to be divided fairly actually takes place. Well, yeah, and you want to make sure it's done fairly, but you never know with somebody's last wishes and emotions can run high. So what's the best thing our listeners out there can do if they're the executor and emotions do begin to run high? So the the, the first thing is clear. It's, it's stick to the plan that was organized for you. Okay. And so remember that the person um, you agreed to be an executor for chose you for a reason. 
Okay. And, and so you need to just know that the will or the trust that they have already organized is going to be your, your North star, right? The, the document you need to follow. And so if family members are attacking you and making demands for items or, or money or anything else, you can simply lean on what the will spells out because it's, it's going to be dictated there if it was done correctly. And when it comes to household items, I mean, don't be afraid to take, um, you know, appropriate measures if you have to. You could lock up the house or lock up specific items um, until you know exactly how they need to be divided. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that's that's great advice. So uh, what what the will says goes then. That seems simple enough. Yeah, and, and and it can be simple as long as you stick to it and don't get you know knocked off the cor- the correct path, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, does an executor have to handle the whole thing themselves, or can they reach out for help or get help if they need it? So it's it's definitely never a problem to ask for help or a second opinion. And and you know I would encourage you to re- reach out to some great resources like uh, attorneys or accountants or any other suitable expert if you need guidance for sure. Remember, you know, you're going to be going through um, a very, very thorough uh, time to, to to make sure that everything that's written uh, the way that it needs to be for executing the estate within the parameters of that will and other documents. And, and that doesn't mean um, that you're tasked with suddenly becoming an expert in areas that you're unfamiliar with. I mean, most people don't and have not had the experience of being an executor um, on a very often occasion, Right. Right. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it is good to get help. And uh, it, it is especially helpful if the person you're an executor for uh, was working with a financial services professional like yourself or uh, like uh, Jones uh, Financial. I, I just think it's so important to, uh, to do that. And that's going to make the executor's job a lot easier. And they can reach out then uh, to someone that financial services professional for some guidance as well on some of these matters. So uh, you talked about the generational vault. We mentioned we brought that up a few minutes ago. That's a great tool that you uh, have for your uh, clients. They can use that and there's no charge for that. I think it's amazing um, because when it comes to leaving a clear and transparent legacy, uh, these are these things are so important. Your documents. How can our listeners find out more about the generational vault? Yep. So our clients um, definitely have the opportunity to utilize that complimentary generational vault with our guidance, our staff's guidance and technical support. And if you'd like to know more about that generational vault or would like a demonstration, I just encourage you to reach out to our office today, and we'll we'll definitely make that happen, Tony. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and remind our listeners out there how they can contact you. Sure. So they, they have a couple of easy ways to get a hold of us. They can simply go to our website at jonesfinancialtalk.com or they can just reach out to us, uh, you know, via phone at 541-773-9567 and ask, uh, ask uh, our receptionist uh, to help you lead you to that direction and answer that question you might have. All right. That sounds good. Now we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion. But before the break, give that phone number uh, one more time. Sure thing. So it's 541-773-9567. All right. That sounds great. And listeners, stay tuned. We're going to be right back with more of Jones Financial Talk and our host, Nick Jones, right after this. 
In today's volatile environment, making sure your assets are properly aligned with your financial goals has never been more important. Money can go up or down in value, and it may pose a risk if it isn't properly managed to serve a specific purpose in a comprehensive plan. If you've ever thought that maybe too much of your assets were exposed to market risk, you owe it to yourself and your retirement to check out the Color of Money Risk Analysis. The first step is getting your assets aligned with your goals. At Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions, we use the simple 11-question survey to help gain insight into your financial profile. Armed with your score, we can help you make decisions about your asset allocation in retirement. To learn more about this valuable self-assessment, visit us at jonesfinancialtalk.com or call us today at 541-773-9567. Welcome back to Jones Financial Talk. This is Nick Jones from Jones & Associates. Listeners, as always, if you'd like more information about what you hear on our show today, please give us a call at 541-773-9567 or visit us online at jonesfinancialtalk.com. Com. Now, during the first segment of today's show, we gave a high-level picture of what you should expect if you need to serve or ever serve as the executor of an estate. And now I think we, it would be better for us to focus a little bit more and address something, something else that has definitely been on lots of clients' radars lately uh, for every retiree and pre-retirees, and that's long-term care insurance. All right. Well, long-term care insurance is is huge, obviously, and I, I think that uh, it's something that you know more and more people are needing. I heard a stat that if you're over the age of seventy, uh, two out of every three people who live past seventy are going to need long-term care. It's just an amazing statistic that keeps growing. Right, and that's that's crazy. So. Uh, you know, during other shows, you've been an advocate for long-term care, uh, you know, strategies to help pay for this. And I know that there are a lot of different methods people can use uh, if they have a plan in place ahead of time. But there's a lot to be aware of here. So what do you have for us on this topic? Yeah, you know, one of the barriers, Tony, that I run into when we talk about the value of long-term care insurance is that people who are healthy today can sometimes have a hard time imagining a future in which they may need help with, with a couple of key things, you know, um, the ADLs, as we call them, that will outline further, something like bathing and dressing, for instance. And so the reality is, though, that no matter how well you eat and how much you exercise, nobody really knows what their health will be in a decade or two in the future. And for some, you know, long-term care insurance um, may provide a buffer against some of the financial hardships that come along with declining health. Now, ultimately, long-term care is, is simply a variety of services that standard health insurance doesn't cover, including help with daily chores, like we talked about before. Um, and it's just something that is really, really important to at least consider, especially if longevity is, is built into your family genes, okay? Yeah, well, there you go. And, you know, my grandfather just turned 101 on right. February 25th, and I've mentioned that before. Um, so there's, and you know, a lot of my relatives in that family have lived to a hundred and beyond. Uh, so there is longevity there. Uh, now I, you know, uh, I don't necessarily eat as healthy as those people did though. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they had my, if they, they didn't necessarily share my love of pizza and, uh, that may be my downfall, but, uh, people are living longer and longer. And I think it is important so long-term care, it can also help with the cost of certain chronic medical conditions. Isn't that right? 
That is right, Tony. And so some long-term care insurance policies may help cover the expenses that come with chronic medical conditions, I should say, disabilities or certain disorders like Alzheimer's disease, okay? And additionally, most policies will reimburse the cost of care that you receive in a number of different settings, including your home, a nursing home, an assisted living facility, or even in a date uh, an adult daycare facility. Okay. And I certainly understand that researching a long-term care insurance plan can feel pretty daunting for most people. And that's why I just really encourage you to talk with your financial services professional if if you aren't doing so already about these types of policies. Because, because you know, many financial services professionals have experience in the long-term care insurance marketplace, either directly or through networking with other qualified uh, professionals. And that would be just a very, very good way for you to come come up with this piece of the puzzle for that part of your financial strategy. Okay. Well, yeah, that's that's really important. Now, I, I know that a lot of people uh, are concerned or curious about the timing of all this, uh, of planning ahead for long-term care when they need to purchase long-term care insurance or get a plan in place. What can you tell us about that? So, so that's probably the most important question about long-term care insurance for sure. And, you know, yeah. generally, Tony, uh, long-term care is something that should hit your radar when you're in your 50s. Because waiting too long um, obviously is going to put you in a situation where coverage isn't always going to be possible. Okay. And you're not going to qualify for a long-term care policy if you are if you already have certain medical conditions. Um, and providers probably won't approve most applicants who are, you know, in the age realm of, say, 75. And so in my experience, most folks um, need to look at long-term care insurance between their 50s and 60s while they're still healthy and can get insurance for it. Well, yeah, there you go. So uh, the sooner you prepare for this, the better. And I know it ties in with the retirement planning you do for your clients. And, uh, you know, mid-50s to mid-60s, got it. And you've already touched on it earlier in the segment, but uh, let's get down to brass tacks here for a minute. I love that phrase, by the way, get down to brass tacks. Uh, <laughs> uh, you have Give our listeners out there your best sales pitch about why you think uh, long-term care planning and long-term care insurance is something they should consider as part of their financial strategy. Sure. So if you just look at the statistics about how many people are actually going to need this type of, of, of care, Tony, um, it's it's staggering. So 70 percent of people that are 65 and older will need some type of long term care ser- services or support um, that we've mentioned earlier. OK, 70 percent and broken down a bit further. Women generally need about three and a half years of services and men average just slightly more than two years of services uh, when they get to the point that they need help. Yeah, right. There you go. I think that's really uh, good advice, obviously. So uh, regular health insurance, uh, again, just to point this out, uh, Medicare and regular health insurance doesn't cover a lot of long-term care needs, does it? That's, That's exactly right. And Please, listeners, don't make the mistake that some people do uh, and assume that Medicare will just make up the difference and help, right? Okay, because Medicare covers brief nursing home stays or, uh, you know, capped amounts of home health care when you need skilled nursing or rehab services. Medicare does not cover custodial care services like supervision and help with the various day-to-day needs like 
that we're talking about. And so that means that if you don't have a long-term care insurance policy, um, you're going to be on the hook for those services. And you may be able to get help from Medicaid, but don't forget that that program has very, very restrictive qualification rules about the assets that you have and how much you need to spend down before you qualify for it. Right. Uh, There you go. There's a lot to this. And so uh, that means that long-term care insurance may help you avoid dipping into your savings or other assets to cover the costs of those services, right? Exactly. Exactly. And Tony, you know, and In my experience, people typically buy long-term care insurance for two important reasons. The the first is to protect their savings, and and that's what we just touched on. And this is because long-term care can rapidly shrink your nest egg. Uh, A lot of people ask me, well, just how quickly can it, Nick? And and so think about these stats. Um, Last year, there was a cost of care survey that I read from Genworth that noted that the median cost of care in a semi-private nursing home room is $93,000 a year, $93,000 a year. And so if you do some quick math in your head, how quickly would four or five years of roughly 90,000 a year wipe out your savings? Pretty quickly, right? (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's unbelievable. In fact, I heard, um, I was talking to uh, someone who was working with a couple um, and their parent was in long-term care and they, well, they got actually home care, but needed it 24 hours a day and ran them a hunt that cost them for the first year, $150,000 for one year. That's yeah. That's staggering. You know, you pay 12,000 plus a month, uh, dollars. I mean, who has that kind of money? So obviously you have to prepare and uh, it, it really is good. So what's the second reason? Right. And so you touched on a great point there, Tony. And the second main reason that people purchase long-term care insurance is to provide themselves with more choices about their care. Okay. The the more you spend on your long-term care policy, the higher the quality of care is likely to be. Um, and if you rely on Medicaid, your choices will be restricted to the facilities that only accept Medicaid payments. And so, you know, if, if you're low, if you're in the low income or have a small amount of savings, it's possible that long-term care insurance may be unaffordable because, you know, when we look at what the cost is and what the stats are, some experts recommend not spending more than about 5% of your income on a long-term care policy. Okay. So uh, that's interesting. And, you know, long-term care policies, I know there are other strategies besides just uh, the play just straight long-term care insurance. So, you know, like things like riders, uh, some people, if they have say a fixed index annuity, they can attach a rider that will help them. Uh, also there are other ways to plan ahead. So you protect your money from being used up for long-term care so you can rely on Medicaid. You work with these different strategies as well, don't you? We do. And, and you are correct. The, you know, the interesting thing is, For most people, there's a little bit of a myth out there about long-term care, Tony, and that is that, you know, the policies that are issued today, um, if you don't use them, you just kind of lose the money that you pay into them. And, um, you know, the insurance companies that issued long-term care policies, say 15 or 20 years ago, have understood recently that people just don't want to pay a benefit for a service that they might never use. Okay. That's right. That's right. And so there are many better solutions available today than there were, um, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. There are things like you mentioned where there are 
you know, additional riders that are built into some annuity solutions and products that you can use that will help. Also, um, an, another kind of newer type of insurance that has come out is called asset-based care. And this is where you basically have a life insurance policy that is prepaid, okay? But you can accelerate the death benefit to use it for long-term care purposes if you need to, okay? Ah, and so okay. the idea here is if you need long-term care, you can use the death benefit in the insurance policy to cover the cost. And if you never use long-term care, there still will be a death benefit paid to your beneficiaries for the money that you paid into the policy. So I hate to say it this way, but it's a win-win if you die or use that policy, right? Right. I, I like how the companies have uh, constantly improved these things to make them more, uh, not attractive, but even more usable and user-friendly and cost-effective for people. Uh, that, that policy you talked about where hey, you put money in uh, and if you need it for the, the benefit, it will either pay out to your beneficiaries after you pass or if you need it for long-term care, uh, it, they can pay it out to help with that. I just think that's a great idea. That's exactly right. And you know, interestingly enough, recently in the news, I've read some articles here in the state of Oregon where um, the governor has allowed insurance companies that have old long-term care policies in place to start raising the premiums somewhat aggressively. And the reason for that is because the insurance companies are realizing 15, 20 years later that more people are living longer. Yep. And more importantly, like we've talked about on the show today, many more people are actually needing services and care. And so yeah. um, they know that they need to continue to have strong reserves to be able to pay out those claims if they take place, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's key. And I think we've had a great show. Uh, it, we only have a couple of minutes left. Uh, so I just want to kind of wrap up, put a bow on the long-term care issue. We started talking about executors. I know a lot of these, we're talking about topics that people put off thinking about or planning for because they're not fun. Uh, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, our will or our passing or a loved one's passing or the fact that uh, ourselves or our spouse or a loved one might need long-term care. Uh, but these are inevitable realities for almost all of us. So um, none of us are going to live forever. But, uh, you know, it's really important. I think the key here is to have a plan in place. Right, Nick? That's right. I mean, you've got to be able to hedge your bets. Right. And that's that's right. just a piece of the puzzle that we've discussed today. Um, it might not be a, a topic to discuss with everyone. But, you know, before you get to the situation where you don't have the opportunity to either make somebody the executor of your estate or help them with things like providing yourself long-term care insurance so that they don't have to try to struggle uh, towards the end of the end of the time to come up with uh, a strategy to drain your drain your own personal assets down. Um, these are two really really important points that many many retirees need to think about, um, and and it comes up all the time. And so I'm happy that we were able to talk about that on our show today uh, together, Tony. Nick, we're almost out of time. So let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you to set up that complimentary, no cost, no obligation consultation, find out more about the generational vault and getting a plan in place. Sure thing. So you can go to jonesfinancialtalk.com um, and you can ask any question you want there and we will respond as quickly as possible or simply reach out to us uh, here right in town at 541-773-9567. Thank you for listening to Jones Financial Talk. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. 
For more information, please contact Nick Jones at Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions. Call 541-773-9567 or visit their website at jonesfinancialtalk.com. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions, a registered investment advisor in the state of Oregon. Insurance products and services are offered through Jones & Associates Premier Insurance Solutions. Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions and Jones & Associates Premier Insurance Solutions are affiliated companies. Nick Jones, Herstel Jones, and Jones & Associates Premier Financial Solutions are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.